0: Welcome to the International Podcast, conversations that matter from around the world, from politics, entertainment, culture, the arts, lifestyle, and more. The International brings you various perspectives from key voices. And now, over to the host of The International, G. Van Robinson. A pleasant day to everyone, and welcome to another edition of The International Podcast. And I am your host, Van Robinson, and this morning I will be speaking with Dr. Michael Ungar. And Dr. Ungar is based in Halifax, Canada. He's a family therapist and Canada Research Chair in Child, Family, and Community Resilience at Dalhousie University in the north of Canada, Nova Scotia is it? Uh, Dr. Ungar, how are you this morning?
1: I'm I'm doing well. Nice to chat, jivan Wonderful.
0: Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the international here this morning. And we have a very interesting topic to discuss here this morning, doctor. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, it, it, it certainly is not over. And as we've been hearing the cliche now that the COVID has changed the world. For yourself particularly, how have things been for
1: you in terms of dealing with COVID these last few months? Well, Well, one of the things I, uh, between uh, the publishing I do and the research I do globally, so I'm looking at resilience and patterns of resilience in countries as diverse as, well, we have a large project in South Africa, Alberta, Canada, uh, throughout Europe, in different parts, Asia. I'm grounded. Me and air, me and uh, me and the national air carriers are like we used to. We used to spend a lot of time together. So I feel like I'm going through a bit of a divorce, <laughs> like that. It's it's changed a lot, and for my family and my community as well. I mean, you know, it's funny watching people adapt to, well, how we help each other get groceries, or um, how our children interact, or uh, how we've been celebrating birthday parties. Uh yeah you know you just you know the drive-by birthday party or the graduation ceremonies for some of our kids and you know just the way people have had to do this sort of outside or um i've been really admiring people's creativity as well as their ability to you know not let themselves get entirely down about everything related to this even while we're seeing you know people losing their lives uh, a lot of unemployment economic stress um i've you know neighbors and friends who've you know it just their businesses are tanking their 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 jobs are tanking um and yet in that space people are also realizing you know you know they're 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 doing anything they possibly can to well in a sense remain connected and keeping their communities going
0: you know it's very interesting doctor that you mentioned Birthday, birthday parties. And one of the things when COVID first started here, I actually attended my very first virtual birthday party via Zoom. And everyone was connected, everyone was selecting their music you know, for, from their various computer systems. And uh, it, it was fun, but it just showed you that the reality of what COVID-19 brought on here for individuals and, and how they interact and so forth. So it's very interesting that you mentioned drive-by birthday parties. You know, one of the things, Doc, is that the first half of 2020 we've seen loss of jobs, loss of income, uh, we speak about social interaction there. How would something like this, let's talk about affecting mentalities. How would something like this affect a person's a person's mentally?
1: Well, absolutely we we fully expect that this is going to create increases in mental health problems, especially, well, because we're more socially isolated. So if you were already a little bit more vulnerable before this, maybe you are you you know, you didn't have a lot of family around, you were already living on your own, um, maybe you already had health conditions, uh, or maybe you were already had a history of anxiety uh, mm-hmm. problems, or that, then this is gonna be a really tough time for, for people with those conditions. This is just going to to make it so much worse, because in a sense, the, the, when we talk about resilience, what we're actually talking about is, you know, do you have the resources, the things you need to cope with the stress that you're under? Yeah. And most of us, we you know, we have a fair bit of stress in our lives, but we have also a lot of resources, our families or maybe our jobs, maybe our community. And so we keep this in balance. But during a pandemic, you get this kind of double whammy. The first side is you you stack the deck against you with all kinds of extra stressors. Now you now you know you' you're, you're dealing with um, with with I mean, just on top of everything else, the the, the health concerns, the economic problems, um, in the in in the midst of this, it's hard not to also talk about uh, the Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. uh, what's going on in terms of the ripple effect from from uh, the George Floyd murder. I mean, you have, you have a ripple effect of stressors happening globally, and on top of that, we're also stripping away all the natural resources that we have, all the things that we'd normally rely on, like, well, we go to coffee shops and chat, we'd be hanging out with neighbors, we'd have all the social interactions, we'd, we'd have our colleagues at work. You take away all that, and you actually don't have the ways that people normally would almost heal themselves through these crises, and that's what's really going to bring us down. Um, tremendously so there's there's some risks and and by the way we also know from you know uh, past we don't really have any studies of pandemics of course but we have studies of things like well the Quebec ice storm which yeah. was a major event in 1998 and the way that affected um, families especially mothers who um, uh, you know you could actually see gen- generations later you can basically see the effect of the ice storm on uh, uh, on women and their babies if a woman was pregnant during the ice storm you can actually see the effects at almost a genetic level of how that stress got under the skin and affected her her child. And then after after the birth of the child postnatally, you can actually see that some of those children show more signs of mental health problems later in life as a consequence of what actually happened way back during that ice storm. And there's other yeah. similar examples as well.
0: You know, it, it's, it's, sorry, go
1: ahead, doctor. No, 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 no. It's just, it's just these patterns. I and mean, these things are wearing on it. Even if day to day, you feel like maybe you're coping. We do know that this kind of, just this kind of stress gets under our skin and wears away at our, at our, you know, our physical systems, our, our mental health. And the trick of course is, and, and this is, I, I wrote a book called Change Your World, in which I look at the science of resilience and in Change Your World, I'm very much focused on, you know you got to not just focus on changing your mindset or saying okay i'm gonna i'm gonna tough this out it's also about putting yourself in situations where you're going to get the supports that you actually need to get through this and that could mean you know checking in with your neighbors however you can you know making sure you do reach out through media using the social media as best you can Um, uh, trying to find opportunities to show your talents and skills i love it when people are. Um, You know, uh, here in Nova Scotia, we held a COVID-19 kitchen party and people played music online. And, you know, it was just that sort of anything that you can do to secure for yourself a powerful sense. I'm still a whole person and I want my world, the world around me. I want to change that world around me such that people are going to notice me. Those are going to to help you get through this.
0: But I want you to talk about a little more the need for normalcy. And how important it is, and, and, and some persons probably not understanding why persons are will queue for an hour just to get a cup of coffee.
1: Yeah, the, there's actually a fair bit of evidence that when you look at after like a natural disaster, mm-hmm. um, what we know is that one of the most healing things that you can do is to get back into your routines, mm-hmm. and because People sometimes think, well, just because it, it you know, it, what it creates, a, it creates a bit of a change of mindset that says, you know, if I get through today and I get that coffee in the morning, and it's consistently the same, then tomorrow when I get up, if I think, oh my gosh, what's today going to be like? But if I have the coffee, accuse me in my head, it says, okay, I got through yesterday, I'm going to get through today, and I'll get through tomorrow as well. But there's and there, there's also that, so there's a a sense of predictability. Mm-hmm. Um, that that actually calms us in, in, in many ways. And that's why people tend to live lives that are quite routine. So after a natural disaster, for instance, one of the best mental health interventions is you get children back to school. Right. You don't tell them, you know, you don't tell children, OK, I want you to just think positive thoughts about the future. What you tell children is get them back to school. And the environment around them that says, okay, you're back at school, your your future is secured, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, here's the expectations on you, the environment around them tells them everything's going to be okay, and you maintain, you know, you build your social relationships again and your everything else. So, so routine and structure is something that we absolutely crave for after some, or during a pandemic. And when so many people's lives, we don't go to work in the same way, we're not having the same coffee shop visits, everything else and i can see why people are craving for that mm-hmm. probably one of the easiest things that you can do to maintain your mental health so don't sleep in late every morning don't, don't. i know it's hard right because we are losing their routines yes. but the more you can you know eat meals regularly with family members that will have a massive impact on your mental health and your physical health Ru- you know routinize your exercise even if it is a walk down to the Post office or wherever you have to go, wherever people go these days, whatever. Um, Just just anything like that. If you have a pet, all the better because pets need routines as well. Um, These are mental. I just want to go. These are mental health interventions, as Mm -hmm. are, by the way, social things. Try and reach out. There's a whole trend now in medical field psychiatry called social prescribing. Where your doctor, can you imagine you go in and say to your doctor, I'm a little bit depressed, and they turn around, so here, I'm gonna write you a script, and the script is gonna say, I want you to go to see a movie. Well, you can't really do that right now. I want you to go call your mother. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like, what do you mean? That's not, I want a, meta, a pill. No, you're not gonna get a pill. You're gonna yeah. get an instruction to go and be in the presence of other people. Right. To help you to feel controlled, powerful identities, feel reconnected, feel like you belong. And those are largely what cures us of anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Doc, I'm going
0: to be the devil's advocate here. And I'll tell you why I say this. We've been hearing more and more about the new normal. Yeah. And I myself have used this term in in my preparation to talk to you here this morning. I've been considering like, OK, is it a new normal or is it essentially the natural Human evolutionary process, you know, crises creates evolution, creates change, where the human mind, so to speak, needs that type of uh, evolutionary interaction, if you want to call it that, for innovation, for reinvention, for creativity. So, in that breath, is it really a new "quote unquote"
1: normal? <laughs> That's a very interesting one. Um, I'm I. I'm, I think, I think we're all, of course, you know, I mean, in a sense, we're always adapting. Um, it's just happening very quickly. I, I'm, I'm kind of more of a, I'm kind of on the optimistic side as well that I see in, in this, though I, I don't want to downplay the, the, the loss of income for many people and the family stresses and potential for all that. I don't, I don't want to downplay all the negative sides of this. But there is also in this moment, I, it has been interesting watching people be um, ignited in terms of the potential to work at home, drive their car less, reorganize, you know, the way we do things in society and be much more innovative about things. Um, it kind of makes you all of a sudden realize that, my gosh, if if we really wanted to, we could tackle things like climate change. We could take on major things that we've sort of said, oh no, there's too many too many reasons why we couldn't do that. And suddenly with the pandemic, people realize actually, I'll give you a very small example. I had to get my my um, uh, license for my car renewed uh, to go in and get a plate. Right. Normally, that is that ranks that ranks up there with just seventh level of hell. Yeah. Which, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. Okay. The, because of the pandemic, they you have to call ahead, go on basically schedule a time. Uh-huh. You pre-schedule the appointment. You go to the venue. Uh, somebody comes out calls your name out. You go in, you did your, whatever you have to do. And you come out the whole thing took if eight minutes. Yes. And I'm thinking to myself, and why don't we do this all the time? (laughs) Why didn't we just have a website that when I want to get my car license plate renewed, I sign up for a time it's in 15 minute slots or 10 minute slots. If I show up, I show up. And, um, you know what I mean? Like, like what happened that, this, you know, that this system, it, you know, the innovation it took to make this happen seemed to have happened within days. And yet we couldn't get it to happen during when times were normal. So I like I agree. It's it's. I, I think normal is always changing. Absolutely. Thank, thankfully, because we do want things to get in a sense better. Yes. Um, yes. I, I hope that maybe this will be a cue. Maybe this will be a reminder to us um, in terms of resilience, which is what I study. I like to see changes that we talk about resilience at different systems. So when I talk about changing your world, that whole sort of size, I'm talking about changing different systems around you to change your own internal resilience. The more you make, the more you make your housing stable, the more you make your family life stable, the more you make your, your, um, uh, your, your career stable or your work stable. And indeed, the more you make, you know, the more you'll make your in physical biology stable. We, I mean, everything from like, by gosh, if you could, if you have good grocery stores nearby, we can buy decent food, it changes what you eat and what you eat changes your mood. So everything from a resilient quote unquote, grocery store system and transportation system to get there can actually have an impact on a population's mental health. These yeah, are the yeah. way resilience, we need to be thinking about these interconnected uh, systems if we're gonna create in a sense, <laughs> a better normal, for sure.
0: Fully understood. You know, over the years, I want to talk about wellness. You know, we've heard about wellness and well-being and, you know, the various challenges now presented by COVID-19. COVID How do you see this entire field of wellness and well-being having changed going forward? And let's say if the pandemic were to subside in a few months, do you think this wellness awareness will carry over?
1: I'm optimistic that this will leave a, a bit of a, a, you know, sort of a adding a little tone to our to our lives, that there would be a slight shift. Um, I'm admiring how much more people are walking in my neighborhoods. Uh, I'm, a, you know, you, you see people making some of those shifts towards spending more time with their families. Um, One can't be be maybe a little bit hopeful that some of that outdoor world that people will take advantage of this and begin to think about wellness, uh, take it more seriously, their mental health, their need to prevent social isolation and loneliness in in Canada here where I'm talking, you know, uh, 28 percent of people live alone in their homes, which could be a good thing if you've chosen it, but is a very bad thing if you haven't chosen that. Um, So, I think I'm hopeful that maybe this is shocking us into thinking about, you know, new ideas. And in fact, I'm working with a a large national um, service club, if you will, that is really thinking about how to get volunteers to reach out to, you know, prevent mental health problems in communities. Um, There's been a real sort of saying, hey, we need help phones and we need people to connect. And, you know, there's a there's there's I mean. In the, in the tragedy of what we're experiencing, there's also a glimmer of hope that people are saying, maybe we should be taking our health and our mental health mm-hmm. more seriously. Um, yeah. And I see signs of that in very concrete ways, whether that's people walking or government initiatives to create you know, the helplines and everything else. I'm, I'm, it is nice to see there's some movement in that direction.
0: Yeah, because it's one of the important things in this COVID-19 pandemic, and especially not just COVID-19 pandemic, but as you alluded to in, the, in your introduction there with the all the protests that are happening now, uh, the, the Black Lives Matter movement and different things that are happening around the world. And there's this uh, field of negative news just con- continually being bombarded upon individuals. So I think it's very important, as you mentioned, that people take care. Of their, of their mental health in terms of all the negative information that is being put to them via the news, via social media, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Doc, you wrote a best-selling book, Change Your World, The Science of Resilience and the True Path to Success. What inspired you
1: along this path to write this book? That's interesting. I I was, uh, that particular book, I, I mean, I, I meet people who inspire me in, in terms of their resilience under incredibly stressful situations. Um, whether that's you know youth growing up in in townships in South Africa or um, uh, adults coping with the after traumatic war experiences in in Bosnia or indeed, you know here in Canada, um, just people dealing with all kinds of whether it's abuse, neglect, racism, et cetera. And i've I've been totally inspired by the things that get people through. But it, it bothered me a bit that sometimes if you listen to the popular media, you often hear people kind of talking about, oh, you know, just meditate, just think positive, yeah. have a positive attitude. And it kind of got fed up with that because the science is pretty lame on that stuff. It, 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 on its own, those things don't help. In combination with fair and equitable treatment, um, a government that's responsive, uh, safe streets, good mm-hmm. housing, job opportunities, then we see, that's what the science really says, that that type of stuff triggers in our brains a different reaction and makes it easier for us to be hopeful and self-regulated and good and help, you know, well people. Yes. And I really wanted to get get at that message that, you know, trying to get away from this notion that all you have to do is meditate. <laughs> and I was trying to say, look, before you before you sign up you know, for the, I don't know, the, the wellness class, the yoga studio, the spa, the, I don't know what people do, whatever you're going to do. And what before you sign up for that, check in with your spouse to see if they're going to look after the kids while you're doing that. You know, that's kind of like what I'm saying. Like, in other words, make the world around you more accommodating and, 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 and fit, will help you so that when you do the wellness work, the individual work, that you actually have changed the world around you so that then you can change yourself. And, and I think sometimes we need we've forgotten um, this idea that you know we, there are things outside of us that actually get us through. and this pandemic only raises that even larger, right? We're getting through this because of some pretty good government policies that have prevented our economy from completely tanking here in Canada. yes and we have you know we people aren't worrying about their health care. Uh, people have you know they' there you know we we don't you know people don't have to go to work because we have you know, you can take sick days off at work. I mean, like those very boring, unsexy kind of social policy things are actually what's keeping us coming through this without the the huge amount of, you know, potential for long-term damage. And I I just wanted to get at that, you know, that our families, our friends, our communities, our schools, our education, our work, our colleagues, they are an important part of our mental health as well.
0: Yeah. In, in in, In your writings, doc, you suggested that people do better in stressful situations with a healthy dose of rules routines and expectations now some people may say well they hate routine they hate rigidity how would you convince them of the usefulness of your suggestions particularly in these
1: times which I th- which I think you started to do there towards the end of your previous thoughts it's interesting if if you if you don't want rules and routines and you you know you love the anarchy and the chaos and everything else <laughs> let's be fair. That's often because you can choose that. There's an element of saying, you know, it's like when you're on a when you're on the beach vacation at the all inclusive or wherever you go, you know, and there's no rules. There's kind of no structure to the day. You can eat anytime you want. You can do whatever you want. You can drink anytime you want, whatever. But it's a choice and it's a period of time out. But we actually know is that with that over the long haul, that doesn't work for most people. Unless it's a choice, right? Unless you're an artiste and that's your style of living and stuff like that. But for most people, it's the, well, you know, there's some parameter that I don't have to choose every single day what I'm going to do. I know my day is somewhat scripted. It's less stressful for most of us. Um, And it also, it grounds us. It, 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 It gives us things like a sense of belonging, a sense of the future being hopeful and predictable, a sense of security. These are all fundamental needs that, that, Give us um, a calmness and prevent us, or make us more impervious to resist stress in our lives. So I get it. Some people don't like the structured routine. I go with that, but let's make sure that it's a choice for opting out, as opposed to, um, you know, that that you think that that's somehow going to keep you keep you functioning long term. A lot of people find that kind of openness just a little bit too stressful over the long haul.
0: Yes. Well, Doc, I, I know you're a, a pretty busy person, and I want to thank you for taking the time for speaking to us here on the international. We said uh, a twenty-minute chat; we're at twenty-three minutes. I'll crave your indulgence, kindly, for three more minutes of your time. Just sure. one of the things I would love to just touch on. You know, there, there, um, there's some persons who, let's say, they're, they're seeking to break through. The mental barriers. We spoke earlier about uh, changing mentalities and so forth. There's some folks who are seeking to break through mental barriers to change their lives, their fortunes, even the circle of friendship. What would be some of the practical advice you could give to them in light of of the recommendations you suggested around routine, et cetera, et cetera, and how these folks could go about even with little small shifts to change their lives?
1: Well, if, if I might, when, when someone is committed to changing themselves, mm-hmm. one of the things I, while I know people will work a lot on changing their heads inside their heads, what mm-hmm. I tell them to do is also look around the world around you and make sure you make some incremental changes in that. I'll give you a small example. If you want a diet, it's much more effective if the first thing you do is find other people who are eating the way that you want to eat. Yeah. It's we eat the way other people around us eat. So if you're trying to be a lone island of sanity in a in a in a in a peer group that spend most of their time eating rather unhealthily or you perceive it as unhealthy, it's going to be even much more difficult than if you can find two or three people that are eating the way have a lifestyle that you like. You're going to be able to do that much better. Anything you can do to, to, you know, if you're gonna try and get into a better health routine like exercise or walking, try first to get your spouse or your parent or your neighbor to support you in terms of taking the responsibility for your children or taking responsibility for something, you know, helping you by those kinds of incremental changes outside of you, then you'll find that the changes inside are so much easier. Same thing. If you want to change your work, you know, when you do go back to work, if you're not satisfied with your job, it's easy to kind of think I'm going to change my skill set or whatever. But it's e- it's even easier or better and more sustainable is if you also go to your boss and say, I need a change. I need a new work assignment or, you know, those kinds of things. It's right. that double combination that really does give us that that extra boost for personal transformation.
0: So what you just expressed, would you say goes further to where in your book you spoke about individualism and conformity, and you wrote, let me just, where did I, yeah, you wrote that individualism is almost always the prerogative to those who have mastered conformity. Yeah. Yeah. Elaborate kindly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's it's the idea of you can be an individual as long, you know, usually it's people who have Picasso was a great artist, a great portrait artist. He mm-hmm. could draw a perfect likeness of a person. He's great. But then he broke the form and he became this nonconformist and cubist and all these other crazy things that he drew, right? Mm-hmm. But let's never doubt that he mastered the form. And in the same way, it's so much easier to be free and and if you're financially secure. It's so much easier to be you know, if you come from a, a safe and stable, untraumatizing background, it's so much easier to then go out into the world and express yourself. So there's a little bit of, um, I just want to make sure that the people giving the advice to live free also recognize that other people live with more barriers than them. And that, you know, that there's, you know, sometimes changing the world is actually the first step for people um, and, and and that because they don't have that, you know, they haven't sort of, they, they don't have the stability to then become a free spirit. Wonderful.
0: So, folks, we've been speaking to Dr. Michael Ungar. And Dr. Ungar joined us here on The International today just to talk about dealing with stress, living with stress, how structure can help our lives. And as we wrap our conversation here this morning, we would love to go on with Dr. Ungar, but he's quite busy. So we want to thank him for affording us the time here on The International. Doc, your final thoughts as we close, please.
1: Oh, just a, a real pleasure. And, and so nice to be speaking across borders to people I mean, basically trying to make the world better and especially during this incredibly difficult time, this pandemic. So I wish everyone well. And and, uh, let's all just keep up the good work. And hopefully that we will come out of this actually stronger and maybe better as a society. I can at least be optimistic about that.
0: Yes, most definitely. And for folks to access more of your thoughts, Dr. Ungar, he wrote a book and it's called Change Your World, the Science of Resilience and the True Path to Success. Where can folks access your book, Dr.?
1: It's available through all the, you know, um, major bookstores, online bookstores, uh, in Canada, it's chapters, uh, overseas, of course, Amazon, uh, you can order directly from the publisher. Go to my website, michaelungar.com. That's U N G A R is the last name.com. And, uh, you'll, uh, you'll find, uh, you'll find the links there too.
0: Thank you very much folks. Dr. Michael Ungar, family therapist and Canada research chair in child, family and community resilience at Dalhousie University in the north of Canada, Halifax, Nova Scotia. Dr. Unger, thank you very much for joining us here on The International for today, Friday the 19th of June. Have a wonderful day, Doctor.
1: All the best to you, Jeevan. Bye. You
0: too. Bye-bye. Folks, that's the end of The International for this week. And join us next week for yet another interesting conversation that matters. The International. We just spoke there with Dr. Michael Ungar, and hopefully, the information that he shared will help you to improve your life. Goodbye. The International Podcast conversations that matter from around the world, from politics, entertainment, culture, the arts, lifestyle, and more. The International brings you various perspectives from key voices.